This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How is the plan for writing all weekend going? Really good. I've been writing and writing and writing and I've got my, my butt seems perpetually numb, so that's a good sign, isn't it? If you say <laughs> I so. I need a standing deck. <laughs> It means I've been sitting and writing a lot. The writing is coming along really well, and um, I'm pretty excited about where things have headed. So that's kind of good, eh? Indeed it is. We are looking forward to it very much. And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce from sunny Dunedin, Mark Baxter, former student activist, current socialist petrol head, and interesting all-round guy. Welcome, Mark. Hi team, how's it all going? It's going very well. How has your bubble life been? Hey, well, but bubble life was um, uh, well, it's not that interesting for me because, uh, as you may know, I, I was made redundant two, three or four years ago, and uh, and I injured myself just before COVID, so I wasn't wasn't doing any work at all. So, bubble life in many ways was exactly the same as before, except that I had to make my own espresso and there were no gigs on. So what did you get up to? Did you spend the, the whole day being a keyboard warrior? Oh, well, no, absolutely. I, I went from being a, a well-known, sorry, a moderately well-known argumentative person on Facebook to a, a, a much more known argumentative person on Facebook and with less friends in my friends list at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> because you purged or they did? Uh, oh, I, because they did. It just some people, you were just, you're like, no, I've had enough there. You're actually a closet racist and I'm bored enough. I'm going to call you out for it. I've got the time to follow this conversation through. And you have always been somebody that will not take that kind of thing lying down. Uh, sadly, yes, that, that's true, and that doesn't lend itself necessarily well to internet culture. Like, I'm all for calling uh, calling bullshit out, but that doesn't always – it doesn't win an argument. It doesn't help you persuade someone unless you do that in a constructive way. You're not actually changing people's mind or making any difference that makes the world better. Where does that passion and that, that – need to see a better place come from for you? 
Um, that, that's a good question. I, um, I, I suppose my family's mostly working class, and they, you know, they're they're pro union, and and they they have a sense of justice, and and you know, a good sense of right and wrong. Uh, and and I suppose that that's given me my outlook. I, I just want a country where everyone gets a fair suck of the sand. And you went to the right school for that kind of education. <laughs> Very much so, Sam. Moira doesn't know when she introduced you that we went to school together. I, I, I did not know. Might be the case. Where did you go to <laughs> school, you guys? Uh, good old Logan Park in Dunedin there. It's, it's the working class school of um, Dunedin. But uh, we also have in common that... Um, I worked for the Students Association at the Polytechnic where Sam works and the Polytechnic that you, you're staying at. So we're all connected in good old seven degrees of separation New Zealand. Okay, so we've got lots of little songs to get through today. So let's go for the first one. Let's go for The Ruts, Babylon's Burning. Why this one? Uh, well, th this is a track that was about another, another potential great reset of society. This is from when monetarism and Thatcherism or Thatcher's neoliberalism were tearing the UK apart. Rioting was normal. The National Front were on the rise. Racism, privatisation, it was a horrible place. It was, you know, uh, and Babylon is burning is about the collapse of that order.
You talked about a, a reset and, and they were just singing there about anxiety. Do you see this COVID time as a, as a, a time of anxiety? Uh, I, it, it's hard to say yes from New Zealand. I mean, we're from a very privileged place where we have comparatively nothing to be anxious about. But uh, for the rest of the world, uh, absolutely. I, I'm in one of the high-risk categories that thanks to heart disease. And if I lived in England, I, I would be paranoidly not opening my door even now. And, and uh, yeah, I definitely have anxiety elsewhere. What are you hoping for in terms of this reset? Um, well, like, like the, the like Babylon is burning, the reset they they were sort of hoping for. Um, there's many things I hope for, but I, I don't think we're going to get any reset. I, I think like the reset of the, the seven these rubbish, we just got more Thatcher and we, we, we got uh, horrible neoliberalism. neoliberalism? God, I'm Terrible trouble with that word tonight. <laughs> uh, it spread to New Zealand. Uh, we, we had it here, introduced by our Labour government, of all things. Um, so I, I'm hopeful we, we can learn to go back to before neoliberalism and this Labour government, you know, shows some signs of slowing neoliberalism down. And that's, that's great. And they've, they've even started to unwind a tiny bit of it. And that's good. But we need to unwind... A whole lot more. We need fully funded free healthcare, like not just the, the, there's a public hospital system and, and poor people get to use it. We, we need GPs to be free for everyone. So if you're on a benefit and if you need to see the doctor, you're not like, ah, well, that means I'm not going to have to pay my rent next week. We, we need fully funded ambulances. Uh, no, no one believes me, but if you're poor, you will definitely think twice about calling an ambulance in a situation where you should definitely call it because, you know, you're going to get a $100 bill. Crazy. One of the things that we have seen from the pandemic and the pandemic response is that change is possible. They can shut down the economy and society overnight or over a couple of days if they choose to. Why do you think they haven't chosen to make the sort of change you're talking about? Uh, because that involves capitalism not dictating and, and running the show. Capitalism will go on as it did before after COVID. And, and in fact, I, I suspect that the richest people in the world will have benefited from COVID. You know, a, a smart business operator in times of a recession buys up the opposition and comes out richer. Uh, and, and unless there's a a whole fundamental shift in the way society works, why would anything different happen after COVID? Do you think that the well-being is at least a partial fundamental shift? I, I think it's a window dressing shift. I, I think that um, people, some people are now aware who weren't aware before that, you know, we need to do more than just be kinder. And it absolutely does show that things can be done can be done differently. I'm, I'm not disputing that it, it's showing that. Um, but what I love particularly in the UK is all the people who are, oh, my God, Corbyn's policies will never work. They'll bring us to bankruptcy. They're going, oh, good on you, Boris, for spending the same amount of money to deal with COVID. <laughs> so it totally shows that an alternative is possible. But I just don't think it will happen because 
capitalism has not been undermined. Let's squeeze in another track. Let's see if I could read my own writing and let's put on polystyrene and x-ray specs. This one's even louder than the last one. Identity, why this one? Hey, um, th this, this is a track by the excellent X-Ray Specs. Um, they were also from the 1970s punk scene. Uh, and this song touches on how people of colour were portrayed in the media. Uh, and I've included it here to acknowledge that COVID somewhat derailed the Black Lives Matter campaign. And obviously, we've still got a lot of work to do there. reading lately about the human zoos which were I don't know if you know anything about those um, were, were actual real things back in the early uh, 1900s end of the 1800s where um, in Europe they would go over to Africa pick up entire families and bring them bring them um, and put them in and make zoos out of them which is absolutely horrific and, um, and I kind of liken Facebook and other social media as a bit of a modern-day human zoo at the moment. And it sounds like you've kind of had a bit of that sort of experience on social media uh, through the lockdown. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I'm probably guilty of perpetuating it as well. You know, <laughs> I, I'm on a, a terrible news group, um, which is it's a local Dunedin one, and, and it's it, it's so toxic, you just you, you can't believe it. But... I've somehow managed to not get purged off there. And, and 
automatically like you just respond in that that hateful brutal upfront i'm clever i'm going to mock you respond that that's part of the course in that group but that that's also led my responses in other groups where that's that's not so appropriate and i have to remember hey to put, pull your head in not all of the internet is this horrible toxic place Why do you think that that is so toxic? Because like community is a good thing, right? Or any connection of con community is surely a good thing, uh, uh, unless perhaps it's that toxic. I, I I disagree that that any any community is necessarily a good thing. I mean, you could have a community of people who burgle homes. Perhaps not a ideal thing if you're a homeowner. Um, with this particular group, it, it, it's, um, I, I hate to sound ageist, but it, it, it's run by a right-wing boomer who he thinks he's doing things honestly and straight up, but just because of his perception, uh, when he thinks he's being fair, he's just not. And, and it, yeah, it, it's just terrible. But you stick with it. Uh, well, sadly, it's got a, a, a sixty thousand odd membership base. So, if, if you ever need to uh, ha have any political leverage to make a point, um, you, you need to not be knocked off that group. Critic did a good analysis of the splinter groups. Oh, how, how did you know what group I was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Part of staying on it as well is. Even though I know it doesn't always work, and, and sometimes it's even counterintuitive, I, I I don't like to let bullshit stand. If, if people are there spreading fake news to fifty thousand other people, I, I see it as my duty, just as part of the community, to say, "Hey, no, that that's fake news. That's wrong." And here's what actually happened. We describe this show as being positive, but not deluded. How do you describe yourself in similar sorts of terms? Uh, well, that's that. I, I don't know I'm becoming increasingly cynical uh, <laughs> uh, over my life. So I, I guess cynical and deluded might be the <laughs> description. Let's. I said we've got lots of little songs today. Let's squeeze in one that's i think this is the shortest one we're playing let's squeeze in class war by new idea what's the story here hey uh this is by no idea it was quite clever because their first album was called whatsoever so it was no idea whatsoever <laughs> pretty <laughs> clever um but no idea i want new zealand's most totally underrated punk band of the 80s they're fantastic and if you can download some free I highly recommend it. They were they were pretty lefty, pretty gritty, anti-violence, top stuff. Uh, anyway, um, as I was just saying, my lockdown hobby become Facebook arguments, uh, and this track's included here after a recent Facebook discussion uh, with an otherwise quite sensible friend over his insistence that glossing over the fact that New Zealand were actually the bad guys at Gallipoli and that perpetuating lies about why we were there somehow honours the dead. Um, this track's a reminder there should be no war except the class war, and that the class struggle is far more important than irrelevant imperialist or national fights with dominance or supremacy. 
Hello, uglies. As a socialist petrol head, we've talked about the socialist, but what about the petrol head? Ah, well, that stems from I, I can't even remember when. I, I guess it's part of the, the Kiwi masculine culture to, to like cars. And um, whilst I'm not a fan of big, raw, big Yankee, big muscle cars, I'm also a fan of things that are just different in all walks of life. So I like quite an odd, very different types of car, different types of car competition. Um, like like I, I'm an active four-wheel driver. I used to be a member of the sports car club who do hill climbs in Dunedin um, and various other bits and bobs, which, which people find a bit odd that someone who has, you know, environmental leanings can also like motorsport. I do remember that. It was an Escort, wasn't it, that you had first? Oh, the, the greatest car on earth. I've still got one rusting away <clears throat> in the front yard, which, which it will be restored one day. I do remember after an exam in the middle of winter in sixth form, you parked it halfway up some steps on some ice. Uh, yeah, that, it's not the, my original Escort. It, it's a replacement one I've, I've had since the 90s. <laughs> Did you get out and watch the rally last week? Uh, no, I, I didn't get to see a single bit of the rally because um, I, I, I do the job of the service park manager for the service parks, which means I'm stuck packing stuff up, packing stuff down. And <laughs> by the time I've finished, it's, oh, I can just make the last one. Ah, no, that, that last stage is finished. Uh, maybe next year I'll get to see some, as I've said for the last decade. Are they slick in their, their service work? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, very much so. They, so with Rally, um, everything's to a, a schedule. Like your your car starts the stage at an allotted time. If you're not there, too bad. And, and between several stages, you get like half an hour or 45 minutes or 10 minutes of servicing. But that, that's it. If, you're, if your servicing takes more than the allotted 
time for servicing and you clock out of the park late, you, you get a penalty for that. Did you get to see the EV? It's Padden, isn't it? Hayden Padden's electric car? Uh, yes, yes, I did. I'm a big, big fan of electric cars. I, I love, um, it's a great wind-up in the car community. Lots of traditional people are like, oh, electric car, you must be some gay, liberal, whale-loving, bloody blah, blah, blah. And and I love to say to them, it's like, if you've ever been in a Tesla and you don't enjoy the acceleration of a Tesla, you, you can't have red blood. You're not a car person. And it doesn't always shut them up, but it, it, it does make sometimes make them rethink that, hey, actually, electric cars can be cool. Is that going to be the future of rally cars? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it will be the future, in the immediate future, when, when the world wants to change to electric, they'll use branding things like Rally to, to go, and, and Rally can go electric, as we've seen with this car. Uh, Formula One racing could even end up being electric, but then you get into the whole bigger argument, is, is electric the long-term solution, or, or is hydrogen going to be part of that? And that, that is a huge debate that I, I, I I don't have enough knowledge, but I, I think hydrogen might have some of a role. And it'll be a combined role of the future where, you know, you have petrol or diesel now, you might have electric or hydrogen in, in 50 years' time. Do you think it would take that long, 50 years? Do we have the infrastructure in place from natural gas to be able to uh, to effectively distribute hydrogen? And, um, and the EVs are already becoming, like, you know, I, th I think most kids these days see themselves as driving an EV when they get to their adult life. Do you think it'll be 50 years? Um, I, I always like to figure for the worst-case scenario, hence my ballpark 50, and, and I think there's still some significant barriers to, to hydrogen that haven't been answered to my satisfaction. And I don't know the latest science on hydrogen production but for me the basic problem is it still takes electricity to make hydrogen thus if you're making that electricity anyway and that's got to be clean that's a barrier to countries that don't have hydro as well not not insurmountable but it's there but even when you've got that clean energy it's more efficient to just put it directly into a battery because the loss to an electric motor is minimal whereas by the time you convert it to hydrogen and then convert that to electricity you're getting a loss with every conversion. Um, so for hydrogen to have a role, either we've got to change the way we make it or it will only be a specialist role. Maybe hydrogen will only work for heavy traffic where batteries aren't possible or, or something like that. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou ko tāhoho. I hope you're all having stay beautiful superstars in Budafford University. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. I know for all of us that we have moved through so many different states of being and phases of awareness and 
different modes of self-care and care for those other life forms around us together over the last more than a year that we're part of this show and I'm so grateful to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team, all of you, for these five things that we shared together to help me immensely. I'm so grateful. So I know that for me there's been so much learning and there's had to be so much learning in terms of how I maintain my equilibrium and balance and how I care for myself and how I therefore can care for those around me that I love, that I connect with, that I work with, that I'm surrounded by and not just of course other humans but all life we co-evolve alongside with in an infinite web. And for me, some new learning at the moment is how to sustain and maintain my my well-being in terms of where I'm casting my attention, where I'm shining that light, where that awareness is is moving to within that spaciousness of our consciousness. Of course, is, is so vast and limitless and is really there for us to explore. And something that I'm learning to do more and more, which I'm so grateful for, is to be able to consciously move that awareness that light that sense of celebration and appreciation that i feel for all life around in a circle so i can move that awareness that appreciation that love to those around me which i really relish i love that process of encouraging others to celebrate themselves and of course it's a great honor when others open up to us and share our realities together And then moving that light and that awareness around in a circle back to myself. And in that way, maintaining and sustaining the best balance for me and my energy level. And as I have been learning this, really helped me immensely. And conceptualizing things this way has really helped me. So I really hope that for all of you, you're finding ways to support yourself and those around you in this time of what I really feel is an opportunity for us to recover and rejuvenate ourselves, having moved through some very difficult and tiring times. Here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we're so lucky that we are in a state of relative freedom. And I feel that for us, this means it's so important that we care for each other and the dream team of 5 million so that we can extend our support out to the wider world. And this large-scale self-care and care for others, of course, is, is mirrored in those practices of ongoing individual self-care so in practicing this movement of awareness balancing of my awareness i felt such a great shift and i wanted to share one of my favorite poems that has taken on a new meaning for me of course it is a birthday by christina rossetti my heart is like a singing bird whose nest is in a watered shoot my heart is like an apple tree whose boughs are bent thick set fruit. My heart is like a rainbow shell that paddles in a halcyon sea. My heart is gladder than all of thee because my love come to me. Raise me a dais of silk and down, hang it with veer and purple dyes, carve it in doves and pomegranate and peacocks with a hundred eyes. Work it in gold and silver grape and leaves and silver fleur de lis because the birthday of my life come, my love come to me. So I really hope for all of you, things are going so well and I'll look forward to talking. Thank you. Kakite. How many times have you woken up and prayed for the rain? How many times have you seen the papers abortion the blame? 
get the same How many times have you been told If you don't ask, you don't get How many lies have taken your money Your mother said you should bet Who has the fun Is it always a man with a gun listening to blowing bubbles and that was the stranglers always the sun we're talking with mark baxter that was a very different sounding song mark uh exactly i i thought i'd better add some attempt at diversity from a, a solely punk playlist so it was a band that was a punk band and then reinvented itself as 80s kind of new wave um and during lockdown, I revisited a lot of music in my youth of the 80s. And, and that particular track, it, it's a nice comforting track that it, it's included here to remind us that no matter how shite things get, the sun will still always rise tomorrow. Can and it's got a line of again to fight. Everybody should get Sorry? the same. Everybody should get the same. So it's tugging at your heartstrings. I rest. The, the stranglers are indeed lefties. Mark, we've seen lots of change in society over the the last year. 
what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, I, I, I hope the idea that government can spend money and, and raise taxes to get that money, I mean, we haven't driven that home, but it is slightly happening and that's a bit of a sea change. I fear that won't stick because people will go, oh, that was just because there was a COVID emergency. Now it's back to business as usual. Let's all see who can cut our taxes to the lowest to see which country has the crappest public services. But I hope it does stick. I, I hope that change. I hope people see, hey, if we want good quality public services that are there when we need them, we actually do have to increase tax on high income. What lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the those bigger sorts of questions that we face? We've talked a bit about climate change and social injustice. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if there are any lessons that, that we could learn from it. From the, like we already knew beforehand that capitalism do, does not work. And, and that we need a more equal society. Uh, and COVID hasn't really taught us that. It has shown us that we've got some options on how we might do that, I guess. It successfully showed us that just looking at the economy separately to the other bits doesn't work. And so what we've done is, is put health first or health and, and society before the economy. And it seems to have worked. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I very much hope that does stick. But we need to expand on it. What do we need to do to make that happen? Who do we have to convince? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know who runs Labour, but they, as the, the other big party in the country and as currently government, it would be a good start to convince them that, that we need not just sort of tokenistic, vaguely socialist policy, but we need to look much more to Scandinavia and to how New Zealand did things in the past when we were a country where most people got a fair suck of the sand. And we need to say, how can we do that even better than last time? Where My examples of... I absolutely agree. You have no argument from me at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, my, my, my friends uh, are, are littered with two decades of people who went in hoping to change and save the Labour Party. But uh, I can only wish you the best and, and enthusiasm in doing so. Let, let me know if I can do anything to help. It's interesting. Um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this because I am... I always thought myself a, a real Labour Party person, but what I've come to realise is actually I'm a real Tamati coffee person. He's our MP in Waiariki, and I'm a massive supporter of his. And um, and there's there's quite a big difference between being the supporter of a politician as opposed to the supporter of a party. So I don't always agree with decisions Labour makes, but then I look at the the kind of people that make up the membership and I can understand why because they're not people who would have the same values that I would have. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, when you reflect deeply on these things, the groups that you belong to and why. 
in, indeed. I, I did wonder when you said I'm a member of the Labour Party and the Socialist. It's like, hmm, that's odd. <laughs> there are a few of us. I know, good. And, and, and the more the better. If, if they ever bring Labour back to being a social democratic party and a proper one, I, I yeah, fully welcome that. Let's see if we can squeeze in one more song. Let's have The Exploited, Hitler's in the News Again. Got a story for this one? Uh, look, I certainly have. So uh, this was the weekend before lockdown. Uh, this was the last international act I saw was The Exploited. And they were fresh in from the UK. And um, I, I'm wise enough to have understood COVID even before we had the lockdown here. And the mosh pit at this gig was just full of sweat and spit and God knows what other bodily fluids. So rather than using the excuse of I'm too old to get up and mosh up the front like I normally would with a great band like them, uh, no, I, I, I stepped back and kept out of the way of all the spit. Um, and, and that was before we even knew that the UK was going to become one of the worst countries for COVID deaths. I have some questions to end the show. What's the biggest <clears throat> success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, well, not a lot in the last couple of years, sadly, but um, I, I have 
finally started to build a succulent and cactus garden that I've been planning to build for years, and that, that's coming on quite well. So there's a success there. Um, plus, I've had a couple of good wins for some beneficiaries who I advocate for, which obviously I can't get into details, but they've been good. And not dying is a good start. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I might leave that for a bit, yeah. I hope so. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're in the team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Oh, look, just, just before I get to my superpower, um, I, I, now I'm in the hero team. It's a shame I didn't include the Stranglers' No More Heroes, which until I decided to put a, a softer 80s sound to it there, No More Heroes was absolutely at the top of my list. <laughs> but, but the use of the word hero aside, um, my, my superpower would be cynicism. We're kind of using heroes almost ironically in that, and that's in the same way that the superpowers aren't super. These are things that everybody can have. That's perfect. Because then we can, because if we can understand what it is that people had, are doing that's that's special for the, for them making an impact, we can bottle that. That's what we need to be teaching our kids to do. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, most definitely. I, I think it's anyone who's aware of the world and able, I think it's their duty to be an activist. If something's not right, you, you should get up and make it right. Seems fairly simple to me. Lots of people don't think so. Lots of people think it's their job to keep their head down. Yeah, or uh, to keep the status quo. That That's usually... And some of them are genuinely fearful because that's the way the great Kiwi daisy-cutting chopper works to, to, to keep people oppressed. But, you know, most people, when they say, oh, I don't want to make a fuss, it's like, well, actually, I just agree with the status quo. So, you know. So what motivates you? Um, well, as I said earlier, I have a good sort of sense of right or wrong that, that everyone should get a fair suck of the sap. I, I don't really, I don't think it's much more than that, other than being an argumentative redhead. So what challenge are you oh, looking forward this? to? What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? I, so in the next year or so, I, I hope to set up a, a, a formal uh, beneficiary ad advocacy service. Um, I've been doing it ad hoc for the last couple of years, and I've been... Even though I know it's not true, I've been hoping that I wouldn't have to because Labour will come through and do all of the recommendations from the the, the benefit uh, review committee, but um, they haven't and, and they're not going to. So uh, beneficiary advocates are still needed everywhere. In fact, if anyone's keen to help out and think they, they might have something to offer, let Sam know via his radio station and he'll hook you up with me. I suspect that you're quite a lot like Mawera in the sense that people come to your door looking for help quite a lot. Uh, yes, I, that, that's just my natural personality that happens. But, but even on Facebook, as, as soon as I made it known that I was thinking of setting such a group up, people have passed, oh, my friend 
on a benefits having trouble with this or need some advice on that? Um, Mark, one of the things I've been looking at in my work is unconditional positive regard, which is our ability to, to see the good in people and actually purposely, mindfully look for the good in people and use that as the place to build a relationship from. Do you think we're seeing enough of that? And do you think, if, especially in the benefit system, because it's where I, I see the need for it desperately, if we actually train some of those frontline people to think like that, would it make a difference? Uh, I, I think it would certainly certainly help. Um, some, some You can't really train empathy. Like, uh, and, and I'm not saying that all wins people don't have empathy. Some of them don't and some of them should not be selected for their roles, but you know, some of them do, and, and some good training around that certainly could help. The problem I see is, is they've, they've had their, their, their key performance indicators, obviously, under the, the previous government, was to you know kick as many people off, say as no to as many applications as, as you can, and that, that become a sort of corporate culture there, and that hasn't really changed that that much, I think. Um, like, on some of the cases we, we've advocated for, we've had to pull out, you know, this is a directive from the minister saying, you know, you can't put beneficiaries into debt. You've got to give them their entitlements first. And, and yet some WINS people are still working on the old tight-ass national models, put them into debt and hide, hide what we can help for them unless there's, you know, They've bankrupted everything else, and that, that's just that's terrible. That that's literally stealing someone's entitlement. Lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, no war, but class war, and set goals for yourself. And carbs are actually quite bad, as it turns out. Thank you for that. Mawera. Mark, um, when I come to Dunedin next time, we must have coffee because it seems like you are the male red-headed version of me, really. <laughs> so we have to have coffee. But um, without people like you flying the flag for injustice and the need for change, no change would ever happen. So thank you for all that you do on behalf of all those that you do it for who don't always have the opportunity to say so. Thank you for taking one for the team with reforming a certain party. And, and I feel it's inevitable we'll meet IRL sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Thank you very much for joining us. Cormac and Richard Tauber are singing by the bed There's a glass of punch below your feet And an angel at your head There's devils on each side of you With bottles in their hand Give me one more drop of poison And you'll dream of foreign lands When you twist yourself in Frankfurt And got sipped out in Cologne and you're at the rattling that train as you lay there all along. Frank Ryan bought your whiskey in a brothel in Madrid. And you take some fucking blackshirt who was cursing all the years. And a sick bit of Coot Cullen will nail us, say a prayer. But it goes so rattling at the door and the devil's in my chair. <laughs>
your shell But I wouldn't give you service So you kicked the windows out They took you out and turned it straight Kicked you in the brains So you went back then through about the door And did it all again Like a sick man of Kurt Cullen Well, never say a prayer And the cops are rattling at the door And the devil's in the chair to Dwelling Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is The Pogues. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Dunedin... Mark Baxter. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. You remember that foul evening When you heard the banshees howl There was lazy drunken bastards singing Billy in the bowl They took you up to midnight mass And left you in the lurch So you dropped a button in the plate and spewed up in the church. Now you sing a song of liberty, we're blacks and packs of jocks. And I'll take you from this dump here and I'll stick you in a box. Then I'll take you to Cook Briar and shove you in the ground. We'll stick your head back out and shout, we'll have another round. And the great sort of Cook Cullen will kneel around and cry. And God is in his heaven and Freddy's down by the fire. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.